So, yes, yeah, so um, really wanting to appreciate you, you know, appreciate you all, because, you know, really sitting with your own mind is a challenging thing. It's very, very confronting to be left on your own, you know, left to your own resources to have to sit and witness, really, in some ways, the craziness of our own minds. You know, it's the first thing that we see. It's the first thing that we become aware of is how out of control our mind is. You know, that as much as we'd like for it to be different, you know, and have more um, control, more uh, will, you know, to be able to make our minds the way we want them to, to make our heart the way we want it to be, you know, we see that we really can't. And so really what we're practicing and what's uh, the precious gift here is this gift of mindfulness, this gift of awareness, where we're able to cultivate a kind of uh, conscious attention, a mindful attention to be able to stay present with ourselves in all the variety of experiences, all the mind states, all the emotions, all the different body sensations and feelings and everything that's running through our, our, our experience, our personality, our being, our conditioning, all of it. And to be able to, you know, sit still. You know, we're sitting still for 45 minutes and then going into a walking form for a period of time, just walking back and forth. There's not much to distract you, not much to um, pull you away from that, that radical honesty, that radical looking at yourselves in this way. So I have a tremendous amount of appreciation for people who do this practice. Just the fact that you're here, the fact that you've come, the fact that you feel an inner readiness to, to look, to look honestly, to look carefully, and to be able to cultivate some care, as I've been speaking about, some kindness, some gentleness towards yourself, as all of this is revealed to you. It's quite a task that we're undertaking here. So one of the, last night I began to talk about one of the supports is this creation of a sacred space. And we have this beautiful place here that we can enter into, that we come into, that supports this deep looking, this deep exploration. And I call this a sacred space. And what is it that generates a sacred space? What makes this sacred? I think what makes it sacred is that everything that's here has been generated by someone's purity of intention, a pure intention to create conditions to generate conditions that are going to support us to wake up, that are going to support this path of awakening, this process of awakening. 
And so everything, everything that happens, everything that's happening here, everything that has happened here, the creation of the buildings, the creation of the land, of the whole infrastructure, just to start with that, it's all, all in the service of this uh, of, awa- of awakening, of your awakening, of my awakening. You know, everything that's happening in terms of the uh, way people are serving here on the land, their work, uh, the, the cooks, the managers, uh, um, our teaching, all of this, it's all to, to, to create this space, this sacred space. And what also brings that sense of sacredness is what you bring. It's your own motivation, your own willingness to wake up, your own interest in that. And the purity, the purity that runs through you that brought you here and that brings you here again and again. Sometimes you might think, not think of this as purity, But when you sense into it, when you touch into it, that is that stream, that dharma stream, or that dharma energy that's running through you, that that carries you, that brings you here into a space that's going to allow this kind of uh, healing, this kind of awakening. So I thought that it might be worthwhile just to take a moment or two and have you reflect on what your motivation is for having come here. What is it that brought you here? What, what, what are you in touch with that moved through you that you wanted to be here at Spirit Rock this week? So just take a moment and see if you can get a sense of this, your own pure motivation What's important to you? And even if you don't know, that's okay. Just knowing that something is moving in you, seeing if you can feel that, sense that. So it can be helpful to have some sense of what that is, because sometimes as you're uh, going through more difficult times, you might say, what am I doing here? Why did I come here? You know, and it's helpful to have a sense of your deeper motivation to reflect back on, to return back to. So those moments where you go, oh man, you know, this just isn't making any sense at all. You know, maybe just bringing forth this uh, pure motivation, this pure intention, and see if, it's, if you can reconnect with it and if it has some meaning for you when you do. So it's all of this, kind of this gathering of this purity, 
that brings us into this sacred space, which becomes our refuge. It becomes a refuge. And when we create a kind of refuge like this for ourselves, you know, refuge from, as I was speaking about last night, a refuge from our, our, the familiar world, the familiar relationships, our, our usual routine, and we have a place that we can come to and really be with ourselves in this way, it becomes a kind of refuge for us. And it's this kind of refuge if we feel a certain kind of protection, if we feel a certain kind of safety here, then it's possible to begin to take some risks. And taking risks on a meditative path means that we begin to walk into territory that is not so familiar. We start to walk out of the familiar, the familiar, and what I mean by that is more of our both ordinary way of being, but also somewhat habitual way of being. When we find ourselves caught in habitual behavior where we're repeating kind of the sum of the same things again and again and again, and these may be particular ways of being that don't feel so good, that make us feel uncomfortable or unhappy, ways that we relate with other people, or ways we talk to ourselves, or places that we fall into within our, our own minds and on hearts. You know, whether it's addictive behaviors, whether it's, you know, just finding ourselves in routines that just are, we're, we're bored with, we're done with. We just, we're not getting that satisfaction from anymore. This kind of familiarity. And we sometimes can feel a sense that it's time to walk into some new territory, to walk into sub, some, some place that doesn't feel so familiar. We don't know it so well. It isn't so known to us. And it can feel risky. It can feel risky to do that because we don't know ourselves there very well. And we can feel we're kind of out of our depths or we're kind of walking into something we're not really sure about. But this is really what the meditative path is about. It's moving from the known into the unknown. or moving from the familiar into the unfamiliar. And in this way is how we begin to expand, how we begin to grow, how we learn and discover and become more alive and more engaged in our lives when we start to move out of that comfort zone. And I think that in some ways this is really what our heart longs for. I think in some ways this is what we come to a meditative path for. Is to we, There may be all different kinds of ways that we define that or talk about that. We want to be happier or more content or peaceful or have more ease in our lives. But there's some way that we're, we're wanting to release the old, release the past. You know, all of those, we call that our conditioning. You know, all of these habitual tendencies are what have conditioned us, the impressions and the influences from the past that in some ways give form to how we know ourselves, this personality, this character that we know ourselves. 
And so we, and we can feel, sometimes we can feel bound in that. We can feel um, not so free in that personality. And we can have this sense of wanting to be free and wanting to release or open up. Kind of sometimes we might get the sense of this throwing off the shackles you know, the shackles of the past. This, sometimes we can, depending on how strong the mind state is and how, how caught we feel or how identified we feel, we can feel very um, kind of in a tight space or confined in some way or kind of like in a, in a, in a box or a cage. Or sometimes even the Buddha speaks about a kind of sense of being in a prison. You know, we feel imprisoned by our conditioning, about, by the past. And so in our being, we can feel like we want to be free. We want to go beyond. We want to move beyond those past impressions. And so it can, even though we feel that and we feel that that's what we want and we desire, it can still feel a little bit threatening, a little bit scary to actually start to really walk into that territory. So we come into a space like this, and then a lot of things are taken away from us. You know, the usual uh, uh, stimulations, relationships, you know, I talked about that last night, the things we get involved with. And then we're just left here. (laughs) We're just left here, you know. You're left on your own. You're left to yourself with all of that. The stream of your conditioning running through your mind, you know, running through your being. And, and you sit down, close your eyes, bring your attention to your breath, your body, and what's there? <laughs> it's not going to be empty. <laughs> it's not going to be nothing. You know, and then, of course, that's what we hope for. You know, we hope that there's just, we're going to meditate, and then the whole space is going to be clear light. It's going to be filled with loving light, you know. And then sometimes we're surprised when it's not like that. But when we start to understand more of what's actually moving through us, what's running through us, we can, we can get a sense of that stream. It's the stream of our past, the stream of all of those, every impression from the, the time you came into this uh, world and before that, when you were an embryo, you came into life, and who knows before that? You know, all these, some, you know, some of the, the uh, gurus in India, they talk about the millions of years that we've been doing this. You know, millions of years. Who knows? You know? So we sit down and it's like, it <laughs> can be like this flood. You know, flood of impressions. And so, but this is what we want. You know, it's like, it's hard, it's hard to get a sense of that. But when we, when we sit down and we start to take a look, we actually, if we're, if we're really truthful, we want to know what's there. Because unless we can see it, unless we start to pay attention, we're going to keep acting out of those same strategies, the same old strategies, 
going back into the familiar, back into the known, back into the habitual way of being, and not really know how to find our way out. And so what the Buddha speaks about is finding this way out, this path, this this, uh, eightfold path, the eightfold path of finding the way out. It also shows up in the the Four Noble Truths of the Buddha, where, where we see that there is a way out of this dukkha, this unsatisfactoriness, this... Uh, suffering nature, this, this samsaric world that we find ourselves in. And this world is really just our mind and our body, nothing more than that. You know, in all that we project, and all of this kind of, of this external reality that's here, and then all of our projections onto that, that causes us so much suffering, so much pain. And so in this path, we want to see that so that we start to learn uh, tools and techniques and uh, gain more wisdom and understanding of how we can actually sit with that and pay attention and learn how to work with all of that as it's arising. And as we do that, we bring our awareness and our uh, uh, mindfulness and our compassion and our love to all that's, that's arising, we start to find a way to free ourselves of that because we're not walking into the same uh, traps again and again and again. We start to feel some freedom. There's this um, lovely, um, I'm not sure what it's called. It's called the autobiography in five short chapters. And it's one uh, person's way of describing the path. And some of you are probably familiar with this because in, um, it's been read a number of times on retreats. It's a very um, clear sense of what it is that we're actually doing here. It's by Portia Nelson. And it goes like this. Chapter 1, I Walk Down the Street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It is a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. I have a choice. I get out immediately. Chapter 4, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5, I walk down another street. (laughs) I think that's what happens for us. We fall into these holes. And in the beginning, we may not know how to get out. And and even according to this uh, description, we don't even realize that it's our fault. We think somebody else did it to us, right? You know, I, I, how did I get in here? 
But then the more that we actually explore and reflect, we realize that actually I did get myself in here, and there's a way that I can get myself out. And we start to look at that and explore that and understand that. What can I do? Starting to take responsibility for ourselves and finding our way out of our, of our pain, our suffering, our distress. Because there is. Because there is a way out. And these teachings kind of hold up that hope for us. They hope, they give us a sense of faith in what's really possible for us as human beings. That we can be free when we begin to really understand what, the, what is this predicament that we find ourselves in? What is, how do we get into this predicament? And the teachings are all about that. They're all about the, the Buddha, Buddha, it said the Buddha taught one thing and one thing only, but it's actually two things. But one thing being suffering and the end of suffering. But there's suffering and there's the end of suffering. This is what's possible for us. So when we find ourselves coming to a retreat like this and stopping, we're finally stopping. We're stopping a lot of the ways that we are in our usual life. We come to here and we start to stop. And yet what happens is that because there's not that much here, Right? There's not much here in terms of going, being able to go out to different things to engage ourselves, and we're left with ourselves. We can kind of feel this sort of maybe a kind of emptiness, or something's missing, or kind of a boredom, or, you know, like, there's got to be more to it than this, you know. We find ourselves walking back and forth, or we find ourselves sitting, and it's like, oh, wow, is this, this, this is all there, <laughs> this is, what, what's, is this all there is? I mean, what's this about, you know, and we're just thinking something more should be happening. And yet the, the interesting thing is that unless we look at that carefully, that more is usually just what we're familiar with. You know, the ordinary experience, which is usually finding some pleasure or comfort or security through the five senses, through the sights and the sounds and the taste and the smells and the touch, these five uh, sensual experiences that are what make up our experience. Or our mind, you know, all the fantasies and the memories and all the kind of creative ways we can be with our own mind. And we're, not, we're saying not even to follow that, not even to go there. You don't even have your, your, your mental uh, uh, constellation as your refuge. All of those ways that you usually, you, we can entertain ourselves, you know, endlessly through our mind through our fantasies and our memories. 
Not even that. And so in a way, you know, you come to a retreat like this, it can seem like everything's been taken away. When you walk or saying, you know, don't really kind of just take a stroll and look at all the beautiful things around, you know, just kind of stay connected with your feet and your body, you know, keep the attention inward, you know. Watching all those ways that you, go, you get pulled out into the external world through the senses. And then see if you can come back, stay here, arrive back here, return back here. Don't go out, don't go out. And yet when we come back, then it can seem like, well, something's wrong. <laughs> you know, something's missing. And we can feel a kind of emptiness, or we can feel this loneliness, or we can feel um, almost a kind of deficiency, you know, or, 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 or that we're just very alone, or this sense of wrongness, something's wrong. And yet this too is, needs to be felt, needs to be known, needs to be experienced, because otherwise then we're just going to go back out to the familiar again. Just go back out in that, all the ways we know. All, all that is, it's nothing new, right? There's nothing new out there. <laughs> it can feel new because we haven't you know, done every experience there is that's possible. But in a way, we call this, in Buddhism, it's called kind of the wheel of samsara. We're just going around and around and around through these same kind of sense doors of our sights, our sounds, taste, smell, touch, and the mind, the fantasies, the memories. It's like, is this all there is? Is this all there is? And, and if we just keep reaching out for that, keep kind of this, this uh, grasping and this kind of desire for those experiences, how are we going to be, how are we going to begin to experience something that is not just dependent on those kinds of experiences? How are we going to get off this wheel? Where are we going to find true satisfaction, a lasting satisfaction? We call it the happiness of the Buddha where we're not running after, we're not seeking anything. But just by resting here, sitting here, walking here, in kind of a receptivity, I might say, a sort of a a receptive way of being. And we don't have to go out to anything because everything comes here. Everything comes to us without moving at all. In a way, this is the true stopping. This is the true stopping when we're not seeking after all of those pleasures and those comforts and and a way of feeling secure. But as we turn in, we keep turning in, letting go, letting go of those habitual ways of being and those strategies that we think are going to bring this lasting happiness. And we sit and contemplate and stay present and connected here, 
something begins to shift. Something begins to transform. It's all happening. It's all happening anyhow. It's not like everything goes away and then there's nothing. That would be, that's also a misunderstanding, a misconception. But rather by being here, everything is here that is needed, that is necessary for our healing, for our transformation, for our awakening. Everything that you need is right here already for you. And yet it takes a great deal of trust to believe that. And I don't even want you to believe it because I don't want you just to pick up like another belief. But perhaps try it on. You're kind of trying it on to see if it's true. See if it's actually true. What we're talking about is a shift in perception. It's just a shift in a way of seeing things. Marcel Proust said, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscape, landscapes, but in having new eyes. The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. So I think what I'm really speaking about is this quality of trust that's so necessary on this path, is a trust in what's actually happening here. When we stop, when we rest, when we turn inwardly, there's something that can begin to transform within us if we trust it, if we trust what's happening. We're turning away from these ordinary experiences. But it doesn't mean that by turning away, then we let go and we don't have them anymore. It just means that we're not seeking in the same way. We're not grasping after. We're not clinging on to out of some idea or misconception, but rather turning in and settling and resting and then see what happens. See what actually happens when you stop. When you stop the, the running, stop that seeking, that, that kind of escaping, that, 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 that pull that takes us out of our experience, that takes us away. So when we talk about meditation, we're actually talking about this kind of resting, this resting back in, here, here. And then we see what's here. But in order to trust, again, I feel we do need to have some kind of sacred space, something that holds us, whether it's here, coming to a retreat like this, or whether it's a space you have at home or somewhere, some place in the world for yourself, 
nature, whatever it is, some place, and maybe even here on this retreat, here at Spirit Rock, you'll find some place, you know, some spot, you know, that, that really uh, you feel held, you feel supported, you, it, it, there's something that comes alive in you, something that wakes up in you when you're there. There are many statues. Sometimes people go and, and sit on a bench in, one of, in front of one of the statues or somewhere along the walking paths along the, the creek bed or some of the interesting little uh, spots where people have created little spaces with rocks or little crystals or um, different things that you may find around here. And there's something that speaks to you, or there's something that touches you. And then when you are there, there's a way you can relax. You can just let go, drop. And it's this kind of space that allows you to drop out of your ordinary way of being, out of the familiar, into something new, into something newly discovered about yourself. having a refuge. And last night I spoke about the three jewels taking refuge in the Buddha, the, your own potential for awakening, taking refuge in the Dharma, in the, this, the way things are, in the tele, intelligent way things are, taking refuge in the Sangha, you know, in the, in the um, intimate assembly of beings that carry this wisdom forward, these lineage holders that we are. We become the lineage holders. We become the community. And all the friends become friends, like-minded friends who understand, who we can speak to, we can talk to. They become a kind of refuge for us. And all these help us relax, let go. Touch into something, something that we, we care about, something we want to know about ourselves, some way we want to release, some way we want to free ourselves. So we have this outer refuge, this outer refuge. And this is where we start. We start with this outer refuge so that then we can slowly walk into our inner refuge, the refuge that lives within our own beingness, that refuge which we could even call awareness, for, for, for a simple way of speaking about it, awareness, that wakeful, conscious attention, that consciousness that is immediate, that is engaged, that's connected. This consciousness that is direct, that is full, now. This consciousness that is now. And the more that we start to rest, the more we start to touch in and become sensitive to ourselves, we start to wake up into this awareness into this consciousness. And it's this consciousness that is the conduit for all of the wisdom and all of our compassion 
and all of the beautiful qualities of our being, all of our love, all of our care, all of our sensitivity, our compassion, all of our generosity, all of our morality, our our truthfulness, it all comes through this awareness because we're, we're here. We're grounded in reality, in the here and now. And that connects us to the whole, a whole lineage of wisdom and compassion because it is the nature itself. It's, it's the Buddha nature itself that is the manifestation of our awareness. We start to open to that and to know that and cultivate that and trust it. This is the presence, the, the, the presence that embodies us, this awareness, this consciousness. It's the light, it's the love. This is a lovely poem from Hafiz, the Sufi uh, teacher, master, poet. He says, how did the rose ever open its heart? and give to this world all its beauty. It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. How did the rose ever open its heart to give to this world all its beauty? And the metaphor is for the rose is you, each one of us in this room. How did the rose ever open its heart and give to this world all its beauty? It felt the encouragement of the light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. You see, it's the only way that the light can come through, the light of our consciousness, the light of our awareness. And so in any moment, that you are present, that I am present. This is the doorway. This is the the door that just opened and allows the light to pour through. And it's that light that illuminates what's here. That's how I can see. That's how I can see you. That's how I can see myself. That's how I know my thoughts. That's how I know my heart. That's how I know what's happening in my body, is that illuminated consciousness. So we're, we're looking for that switch, right? Where's that switch so we can turn that light on, you know? Because so often we can feel that we're in a kind of darkness, you know? And yet in any instant, that light can come in as soon as that door is cracked. Just a crack. It doesn't even have to open. It doesn't even have to be an open door. It's just a crack. And the light comes in. The light comes through. And so we're practicing. We're practicing this awareness. We're practicing this mindful attention. We talk about the mindful when the mind is full The mind is open. The mind is present. It's awake. It's connected. It knows what's here. 
it doesn't necessarily mean that when the mind is full of what's here, that what's here is going to be pleasant. And that's the rub. <laughs> that's the rub. Because we think that when the mind is open and the heart is open, that what's going to be here is going to feel good. And it doesn't a lot of the time. And especially if you've been practicing for a while, if you've been doing this for a while, you know, and in, in, in sometimes it can seem like it's actually feeling less good than it ever did before. <laughs> And the interesting thing is just because we're, you know, we're seeing so much more. We're just so much more aware. There's so much more that can come through. And that means that a lot comes through the unconscious. All that was hidden, that which was in the dark, starts to come through. And we see it. And we go, no, I don't want that. And if we take it personally, you know, we actually think that, okay, now I'm really doing something wrong and it's all my fault and I have to find the way to do it right, then we're kind of caught again. That's when it's helpful to have a little reflection. <laughs> so we see that, again, we, we, that our eyes, we, we, we perceive in just a little bit of a different way. And we see this is the path. This is how the path manifests. The path, another way of talking about it, is the path of healing. It's the healing journey or the healing path. As we open with care and sensitivity, and we allow more and more to come up into the unco- from the unconscious into consciousness, where we can start to see what's true and to see what's real. This is the waking up. This is what we're waking up to. And then we turn again and again and again. We return again and again here. We find ourselves wandering off. We find ourselves getting lost. We find ourselves getting caught up in the past or in you know, our agitation and our restlessness and our contractions, and we return. We come back and feel it, be with it, acknowledge it, be present with ourselves. And then we have these beautiful practices that support us, practices that we've started to work with today, which is this using our body to begin to ground, starting to use a gentle breathing we can return back when we find ourselves either overwhelmed or lots going on or we're lost or we're tired or we're dull or we're contracted. We can come back to this gentle breathing. Just breathe in the body, feel ourselves, feel the body, whether we're walking or standing or lying down or, or sitting. Just breathing. It's a valuable resource that isn't a beginning resource. It's the beginning, it's the middle, and it's the end of this practice, working with the breath, using the breath, drawing on the breath as a resource. And then we start to sense our body, to feel our body, to have a a direct, immediate sensitivity to the sensations that are running through the body. 
And we, we, we use this as a practice, this sensing, sensing practice, where we can begin to sense our hands and our arms and our legs in just the direct, the basic sense of sensations. Just the energetic sense of our body being alive. Just sensing. It doesn't matter what mind state you're in. It doesn't matter how contracted or angry or frustrated you are. It doesn't matter how tired you are. We can begin to just sense, sense. Sense our hands, our arms, our feet. Maybe even right now as, you, as I'm talking. Just getting a sense of what that's like. Just the sensing. Hands and feet, legs and arms. Just that bringing that awareness back. Waking up that, that consciousness in, your, in yourself, in your being, in your body. We start with these very, very basic practices. And we practice with these basic practices in the beginning and the middle and the end. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is it, really. In some ways, it's very simple. We can stay with the simplicity at any point along the path. We have this place to return to. As one teacher said, that we stray from the moment is not surprising. The crucial thing is that we return. Returning to this awareness that, and beginning to take refuge in our awareness. Refuge in this present moment awareness. Which is what gives us the quality of space. Some spaciousness in our, in our, in our experience where we're not so confined, we don't feel so trapped, we're not so caught. But we begin to feel some movement, some release within ourselves. This is a quote from Ajahn Sumedho, one of our elders in the uh, Thai forest tradition. He says, the mind is like space. There is room in it for everything or nothing. We always have a perspective once we know that space of mind and its emptiness. Armies can come into the mind and leave. Butterflies, rain clouds, or nothing. All things can come and go through without us being caught in our reactions and resistance. We start to know that space of mind. And this is what we're beginning to sense into. This is our refuge. We have our outer refuge, those places of safety and protection where we can relax and let go and drop what's familiar and known, come into ourselves in a new way, breathing, sensing, opening, and more and more we come into this awareness, we live into this awareness, and we become this awareness that is not separate from anything, 
but includes all things and embraces all things. No separation. This infinite, boundless awareness that we are. Let's just sit quietly after Dharma talks. Sometimes we just sit for a minute or two just to sit in the silence together. You don't really have to change your posture. You can just sit where you are. How did the rose ever open its heart and give to this world all its beauty? It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.